0: For five years as a teenager, I delivered the Muskegon Chronicle seven days a week. One house had two dogs that were chained in a vacant lot. Sometimes. <laughs> Many times the chains were pulled loose and the dogs were primed and ready. They seemed to be salivating for me to ride up on my bike. And I had to navigate my bike to the breezeway door while holding my foot out to fight off the dogs, drop the paper into the breezeway door, turn around with my bike, and fend off the dogs with my other foot as I went down the driveway, out to the road, and the next home. Sometimes the dogs were in the breezeway. And I had to drop the paper into the breezeway door while trying to keep those dogs from taking my arm off. It's a vivid, vivid image from my childhood. That image, said uh, Pastor Aurelius Augustine, is a picture of our battle with Satan. I want you to listen to what Pastor Augustine had to say. He said, the devil is like a mad dog that is chained up. He is powerless to harm us when we are outside his reach. But once we enter his circle, we expose ourselves again to injury or harm. You see, as long as the dogs were chained to their dog houses, I was perfectly safe. And oh, when I would see that, I would breathe a sigh of relief. But... If the dogs were loose or in the breezeway, I was inside their reach, and I knew I had a fight on my hands if I wanted to keep from being bitten. Now, here's the question that we have this morning as we think about that image and Pastor Augustine using it so effectively How do we stay out of the reach of Satan? How do you do that as a Christian? How do I do that as a Christian? Well, the Bible says there is one way. It is the armor of God, the armor of God. And this morning, we're going to continue in our series that we started a few weeks ago entitled Satanology 101. And we begin this morning to look at this passage that was so helpfully read for us earlier in the service in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 13 this morning on the armor of God. And here's what we want to understand. God's armor is designed to keep us from the mad dog Satan. That's the purpose of it. And so I want us to read verses 10 to 13 this morning as we begin to look at this passage and see how the armor of God is designed in this way. Notice how this passage begins. Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10, and I invite you to open your Bibles there and follow along as I read down to verse 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. You know, the word there is panoply, armor. We'll sing that word panoply a little bit later. Put on the whole armor, the whole panoply of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. What is the armor of God designed to do for you and for me? Well, I want you to notice, first of all, God's armor is designed to encourage us. I hope you will be encouraged this morning as you look at what God's armor does for us. Verse 10 says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now you need to understand why this was so important for the Ephesians to hear this. Ephesus was a deeply superstitious city that was steeped in the occult. They practice sorcery, magic, witchcraft, wizardry, shamanism, you name it. By the way, some of those things are here in Marquette. Did you know that? Not long ago, I saw a billboard ad that is displaying a person who claims to be a psychic. A psychic is a medium who says they can get in touch with the spirits and also claims to be a fortune teller. Now, what is a very minor practice here in Ephesus and ancient cities like it was a dominant practice. You may recall in Acts chapter 19 when the Ephesians became believers and were delivered by the Lord Jesus Christ that they burned their magic books in a bonfire. You know what the Bible tells us was the value of those magic books? 10,000 U.S. dollars. Think of how steeped they were in spiritism. Now, do you suppose that when some of these Ephesian believers came to Christ, they were still afraid of the spirits after their conversion? I would say that some of them were. And so Paul here is saying, you no longer need to be afraid of Satan and the spirit world. Now you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is mightier than Satan, mightier than the spirits. By his death, resurrection, ascension, glorification, and enthronement, he has gained victory over them. Whenever you see words piled up about the Lord, like you see here in verse 10, strong, strength, might, those words are highlighting the completeness of one of God's attributes. What do you think that attribute is in verse 10? It is his omnipotence. His omnipotence. Only the triune God is all-powerful. That's what verse 10 is telling us. And that's who we as believers belong to. You see, Satan is not like those loose dogs that I used to encounter on my paper route. The Lord's hand is firmly on the chain. And God wants us to be encouraged. Pastor Augustine made a very also wonderful observation He said, the Bible calls both Satan and Jesus lions. Have you ever thought about that? You read your Bible, both Satan and Jesus are lions. And he said, what's the difference? And he gave the answer, Jesus is a stronger lion. Amen this morning? Amen this morning? Satan is a savage lion, but Jesus is the prevailing lion. Do you know the most common command in all of the Bible is fear not. Fear not. That's what Ephesians 6.10 is. It is fear not. There is no need for those who are in Christ Jesus to fear Satan. Now that's where we begin, but I want you to notice secondly, there is something else that the armor of God is designed to do for us. God's armor is designed to engage us. It is designed to engage us. Look at verse 11. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Now, I want to ask a question this morning. What do you see between verses 10 and 11 that jumps out at you? Well, we have a job to do, don't we? Isn't that the point that we are seeing here? There's a very beautiful, beautiful balance between verse 10 and verse 11. In verse 10, we see divine sovereignty. God is omnipotent. But in verse 11, we see human responsibility. We have a job to do. How interesting. We see this so often in the Bible. Sometimes side by side, in two verses, God's sovereignty and human responsibility both are true. You may remember a couple of weeks ago a comment that a pastor made that I thought was very effective about the armor of God, and this is what he said. Spiritual resources, though not automatically effective, when used with wisdom, are supernaturally effective. That is so important for us this morning. The armor of God is not automatically effective for the believer. It has to be used. And when it is used, that's when we discover, as we use it with wisdom, that it is supernaturally effective. Perhaps you heard about uh, the Christian who said to his friend, do you pray to God to get you out of bed in the morning? And his friend said, no, I don't pray to God for that. He said, I just get up. I just get up. And there are certain things that we are just called on to do, aren't we? We're called on to do certain things. You wouldn't pray to God to read the Bible. You know that's something you have to do. You wouldn't pray to God to be a person of prayer. You know that's something you have to do. You wouldn't pray to God as to whether you need to use the armor or not. That's something God makes very clear that you have to do. Now, this tells us something very important. The armor of God is not for lazy Christians. Please hear that this morning. Do not think that you can be a lazy Christian and defeat Satan. That is not going to happen. We have to engage the armor. That's our responsibility. If we're going to be strong... In this battle with the evil one. Now I want you to notice here in the passage that Paul tells us that there are two very important ways we have to engage the armor. And we need to see them this morning. Number one, with seriousness. With seriousness. I just read uh, part of the biography of Martin Luther and so I'm so grateful we sang his great song to end the praise package. If there was anyone who understood the seriousness of the spiritual battle, it was Martin Luther. And that song reflects the battle he knew he was in. Now here in verse 12, when it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, we need to understand this is not a new metaphor where we now move from the battlefield to the gymnasium, but here Paul is talking about hand-to-hand combat. This word wrestle is talking about a violent struggle that was a fight to the finish resulting either in death or victory. If you've ever seen Civil War movies, you know that combat often ends up with one man on the ground and the other man on top. And the man on top is in a superior position. And he uses that position along with his power and his leverage to choke the man that is underneath him to death. That's the struggle that is being described here. This is not a wrestling match like I used to be involved in when I was in junior high on a soft mat with a referee who would make sure everything was fair. And when I was underneath, wondering if I was going to live, the bell would ring and the misery would be over. Not at all. Not at all. One of the most vivid descriptions I have ever read of Satan is by a Christian who is a substance abuse counselor. And I want you to listen to what he said. If we give our enemy a foothold, he will build a stronghold, and then he will use it as a stranglehold. Think this morning with me of a boa constrictor. A boa constrictor gets a foothold on a defenseless little animal. And then as that constrictor wraps itself around that animal, it becomes a stronghold. And then as that boa constrictor squeezes, it becomes a stranglehold. For the boa constrictor, there is one objective it is death. And Satan is like that. He's after total victory in our lives. Brothers and sisters, this is a serious, serious battle. The second way that we are to engage this armor, according to Paul, is with urgency. With urgency. Notice how verse 13 sort of starts the same way that verse 11 is. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Now verse 13, take up the whole armor of God. Now, whenever you have two commands like this in the space of three verses, it is calling for urgency and consistency. Paul is saying to us, there's an urgency about this matter of the spiritual armor, and there needs to be consistency in your use of it. There's a very famous book that was written by an author by the name of Edward Gibbon. It's entitled, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. It's been around for many, many years. And Gibbon said this. He said, one of the reasons why the Roman Empire fell is the soldiers became lax. They complained about the weight of their armor and their superiors giving in to their complaints allowed them to keep from wearing some of the heavier pieces of armor. As a result, Roman soldiers became soft and undisciplined. And when the barbarians finally invaded, they crushed the Roman army because it had become so lax and so weak. And here's what Gibbon, who wrote the book describing this, said. All that is human must retrograde if it does not advance. What a statement. All that is human must retrograde if it does not advance. You know what that reminds me of? Another very famous statement, and that statement is this. It is not possible to stand still in the Christian life. We are either going forward or backward. There is no neutrality in the Christian life. If you are here this morning and you would say, "Well, I'm just sort of in neutral," I'm not really going forward in my Christian life, in my use of the armor of God. I'm just sort of neutral. I have news for you. You are going backward. You are going backward. And if you are going backward, Satan will take advantage of you. You see, that's what Paul means in verse 13 when he says, having done all, having done all, all that is required in our duty to engage with the armor of God. What he's telling us is this, the armor is to be kept on throughout our life and no Christian is ever to relax his or her discipline at any time. You see, the armor is designed by God to encourage you. These songs we sang about our victory, they're to encourage us. Jesus is the greater lion. But we have a role to play. It's a serious role, it's an urgent role. And we must engage the armor. Now, here's what happens. When we are encouraged and engaged with the armor, then we learn, thirdly, God's armor is designed to equip us. God's armor is designed to equip us. Every one of us here this morning, we can take great peace in the fact that I'm encouraged by the armor, now I'm engaged with it. And therefore, it will equip me in every way for the battle. Let's notice here what Paul says about how it equips us. First of all, it equips us against Satan's methods. Satan's methods. He says in verse 11, you're going to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That's a very interesting word. The Greek word there is methodia. And we get our English word, methods, from this word. But the word here means scheming methods, crafty methods, wily methods. We all know in every battle, the enemy often succeeds by deception, by the element of surprise. There's a German poet by the name of Harry Hein he wrote a little couplet about this listen to how the couplet goes i called the devil and he came and with wonder his form did i closely scan he is not ugly and is not lame but really a handsome and charming man surprise surprise right Surprise that the devil is handsome and charming. Now, it's interesting here in this passage when Paul mentions the schemes of the devil. Did you know he doesn't tell us what they are? We would expect in the rest of the passage, after being told that the devil has very deceptive schemes, that we would learn what those schemes are, but he doesn't do that. Why? That's the beauty of the armor. Each piece of armor protects us against one of Satan's schemes. So, if you know the armor, you know how Satan attacks. What's the best way to detect counterfeit money? Know the real money, right? You know the real money. When the counterfeit money arrives, you can see it very clearly. That's the way it is in our battle with Satan. If we know the armor, we know how Satan works. Therefore, we are prepared, no matter how subtle the attack, even if we don't know that it's Satan that is attacking, we are prepared because we know the armor and we're using it. Now, notice another way that we are equipped by the armor of God. We are equipped against Satan's allies. Equipped against Satan's allies. Do you know verse 12 is the closest the Bible comes to describing the military order of Satan's demonic forces? Did you know that? The Bible tells us that Satan is highly organized. That his administration is very, very detailed and well put together. And verse 12 is perhaps the one verse in the Bible that teaches us about the military order that Satan is the head of. This is what we are up against. Notice by the word Every time we see a description of this order, you see the definite article, the. This is the preeminent forces of evil and wrongdoing in this world. Notice the things we learn. Demonic influence is real. Verse 12, they are the rulers. They are present and they have the ability to act. Demonic influence is also powerful. They are the authorities. They have the ability to tempt, to tempt, to sway, and to persuade. Demonic influence is worldwide. They are the cosmic powers over this present darkness. They are in every place. And then demonic influence is evil. They are the spiritual forces of evil. They are behind all sin, all wickedness, and all rebellion. And then demonic influence is invisible. They are in the heavenly places. They operate in the spiritual world. And the way they operate is by operating on the human spirit seeking to lead us in rebellion and disobedience to God. How many would say this morning, this sounds like a formidable army? How many would say that? Real? Powerful? Worldwide? Evil? Invisible? Let me ask you again, how many would say this is a formidable army? Yes, it is. And yet, what is our protection? What is our protection? Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. As formidable as they are, we can withstand. The great devotional writer, Oswald Chambers, wrote about this. I want you to listen to what he said. We cannot stand against the wiles of the devil by our wits. The devil only comes along the line that God understands, not along the lines we understand. The only way we can be prepared for him is to do what God tells us, stand complete in his armor, indwelt by his spirit, in complete obedience to him. And when we do, we are equipped to face this army. I want you to notice the final thing. The armor of God equips us against Satan's surprise attack. What is the evil day here? He says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. What is that day? Well, here's what it is. It is the day of violent temptation and assault whenever that day may come. It is the day... In which Satan assaults you with violent temptation whenever that day may come. Many of us know that Dr. James Dobson started Focus on the Family. He said early in his marriage, he and his wife Shirley got into an argument. And they were so angry and agitated at each other that Dr. Dobson said he got into a car to drive around for a while to cool off from this argument. And we would all say this morning, way to go, Dr. Dobson, right? Very wise. That's exactly what you ought to do. How smart that you have done that. Here's what happened. On the way home, a girl drove up alongside of him and smiled in a flirtatious way. She drove down a side road, and it was obvious to him she wanted him to follow her. He refused to take the bait, went home and made up with Shirley, his wife, but this is what he said, how vicious the devil had been to take advantage of a momentary conflict between us. Is that not the evil day? Is that not the evil day? And just when you are vulnerable, just when you are unsuspecting, the devil shows up and he has blue eyes, blue jeans. And a sweet smile. And if we don't have the armor on. We are going to be very, very vulnerable. Dr. Dobson had the armor on. And we all know the rest of the story, don't we? We all know the rest of the story. And you and I, as children of God, can have the armor on as well. Let's ask the Lord to do that very thing as we learn over these coming weeks. Bow together with me. Father, thank you for how this text speaks to us. Thank you for how it encourages us. Thank you for how it challenges us. Lord, we so often live our lives as though everything were peaceful and going our way. No battle to engage in, no preparations to make, no awareness of a raging enemy that longs to destroy us. And we thank you that you have given us these words, that we might be fortified and prepared because we know the evil day is coming. Father, I pray today for anyone who is not sure that they belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. May they turn to him this very day and find him to be the greater lion who longs to be their strength. For those Christians who are in neutral, who are idling, who are not going forward and therefore thinking they are not going backward, may you stir them from their complacency. For the only safe direction for a Christian to go is forward every day using the armor, never relaxing our discipline, doing our part, trusting that God will do his part. Now we thank you this morning for Jesus' sake. Amen.